2: Minnesotans in unison enjoy all this great state has to offer during the summer. From Niagara Cave to the Lake of the Woods, it's great we can experience a state so rich in landmarks, landscapes, art, and adventure. With so many adventure options, we were thinking, why are so many Minnesotans limiting their options for insurance for home and autos? Today, 80% of Minnesotans have their insurance with one agent who has only one company. That means no option. Options. At the Canterbury Group, we offer you more than 16 companies for your home and auto insurance and 40 professionals to do business with. So as your needs change, we have options that continue to provide you with the best coverage for the best price. You wouldn't want to fish in only one of Minnesota's 10,000 lakes, and we don't want you to be stuck with only one insurance company. Visit thecanterburygroup.com or call 800-967-3389. Get many insurance options today. Oh, it's fun. Crazy. It's painful, but it's wonderful. What is the
1: name? It's Royce Unchained. All right, Patrick Royce, what's on your mind this
2: Monday? Uh, I was surprised that you were surprised to discover yesterday that Herbie uh, Carneal told you what time the plane was <laughs> arriving. Every time that he signed <laughs> off, because Kathy was listening, and this was to tell Kathy <laughs> when to pick him up at the airport. I had no idea. Yeah, I remember that, him always saying. He always had yeah, it. it will, and it was like he was calculating it, too, because oh the traveling secretary would tell him when the plane was going to leave. And then they'd, he'd have flight time. He'd have to do the bath on the flight time. And then he had to add, like, 10 minutes. But it was to tell his wife, Kathy, what the plane was when you, arriving.
1: When you tweeted that, I remember that very vividly, him yes, saying, you know, the saying, Twins will be getting back to the Twin yeah, yeah, yeah. Cities about 5.05. Yes, uh, right. Yeah. I never knew that was why. Was five, was, I just sort of
2: accepted Kathy it. Kathy was listening to the game and she had him oh uh, tell her, because otherwise, you know, no cell phones. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have had to get to a pay phone or some damn thing or have some kind of a phone call. So this was, uh, this was the way of communication. But... Oh, my God. Your, your uh, surprise at this yeah. got me thinking about what this organization was like <laughs> in 1974. <laughs> now, this is year 14, mm-hmm. my first spring training. So I can only imagine how small and cozy everything was before, you know, like in the 60s when they first came here. But in 74... Uh, it was, I put my arms out like this. It was like this. There was like 30 people, uh-huh. and then they had their wives, and the wives, most of them had come to spring training for no reason. just And the wives would be there, and they'd all be down at the pool, and you knew who all the wives were. Right. And the wives would be down there telling, you know, Telling tales about everything. If you wanted inside information on the organization, go down and eavesdrop at the pool. And Kathy knew all. Kathy would have been the greatest blogger in the history. Really? Of, in the history of the twins, had she. She knew all. She sat down near the wives. She didn't sit with the wives, I, but she sat. I remember at the Metrodome where she, she sat. sat. near the wives. Yeah, I remember that. And overheard conversation if you wanted to know who was having marital problems, you could go to, you know, you you did want to know. But if you did, you could have gone to Kathy. Oh, wow. But I was thinking about spring training in 74.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The twins would have 20 people there from Minnesota. This was still before flying was deregulated. It mm-hmm. was too expensive. Mm-hmm. So, And then they'd have the fan in the stands group from CCO where the average age was older than me now, right? Yes. And that was about 40. Hey, we had a pretty good crowd. And they would tell you, like people, Jimmy Robertson, he was down there, Billy. Uh, and they would tell you, yeah, the fans in the stands are coming Friday, like I was going to be excited about this <laughs> this or something. But as far as the fans who came from Minnesota, yep. there was they knew who they all were. You know, like Collie Anderson was a famous twins fan. Collie was a old guy from St Paul, I believe maybe Minneapolis, but he was at every game in and in the in the the room down there, what was the the Minnesota room? what was what they call the room the
1: um, at the Met or the met, where? met
2: downstairs There was the twins room down there, but the room that the public i don't could remember get in. but I'm, yeah, yeah, there was a room, and Collie was in there at the bar every time, but you know you'd be walking around and Jimmy'd say. Collie's coming to town. Collie will be here Friday, you know. And then Collie was two weeks. Collie and his wife would be there for two weeks. They'd know where they got. You'd see somebody at the ballpark and you'd say, Hey, Jimmy, who's that? And they'd say, Ah, they're from, uh, they're a couple from Swanville. They drive down here all the time. Uh, they've, They've been coming, Bill and Judy from Swanville. They'd come down here. They stop on the way with visit friends in Indianapolis. They know who they where they stop. Who they? They knew everything about these people because there were so few of them. Right. Nobody ever came to spring training. The the concept of spring training yes. trips. Nobody had that. The only because nobody could have. You know, flying was probably three hundred fifty bucks in, which is twelve hundred today. Right. Mm-hmm. So nobody ever flew <laughs> down. And then when you got there, you know, yeah. A lot of them stayed at the Twins Hotel, which originally was the Kaler, uh, when I was there. But before that, it was a a court of, and then they stayed later. They moved to a bigger place out, more out in the country, the Court of Flags. And it was bigger and not as intimate. But the Kaler, you know, the bar was down there and everybody, that's where everybody congregated at the bar. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, the. Not only did the team officials stay there, right? The players would the players would scatter around. Most of them would rent something, but but the fans would, they'd get them rooms when the fans showed up at the hotel. For the most part, if they wanted to, a lot of them would find a cheaper place to play, or they'd have uh, stay, or they'd have friends who they'd made that they would stay with at their house. But it was it was it was unbelievable. They I was thinking the the whole mass of humanity surrounding the twins then, counting the wives, was like eighty people. You wow. know, and now you uh you know, you have
1: hundreds. Well look at the marketing hundreds. departments now. now.
2: But I don't know anybody. Yeah. I don't no. know any I don't know any of the analysts or anybody yeah. like that. And they
1: don't want you to, by by the way. by then
2: I knew who the hell back then I knew who the fans were and what the wives' name were. Yeah. And all the wives, we knew all the wives. And the wives were uh they'd be down at the pool and you know, some of the wives were like sixty years old, but they would be sitting around talking about this gentle lunch they were going to have because they were watching their weight and, you know, everything. And then they'd go out and had 12 drinks and a steak some damn place at night. But they were all, lunch was always going to be a little little too dangerous. I overheard this a few times because back then we occasionally, we wouldn't go to all the road games. There was three of us, me from St. Paul and then the guy from the Star and a guy from the Tribune. And, you know, if they were going to Fort Myers or something, it was like this ungodly four-hour trip. One of us would go and call the other guys with quotes, you know, to and then they, they'd do the same for you. If you didn't want to make the road to Dunedin, which is to get to Dunedin back then took days because of the traffic. You've been up at <laughs> oh, Dunedin. The oh, gosh. Well, extinct. back then, I can't imagine. Oh, yeah, no. there was nothing back then. It was gravel roads. But but the Griffiths loved Orlando. Because they went, the family went back to the 30. The 31 or two was their first year in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And Calvin told me about, you know, before the war uh, and through the war and maybe into the 50s, you'd go a mile out of town and you'd be on gravel roads and sand roads. And they some of the roads in the back were sand. And you'd run into another car coming at you. And one of you had to pull off to the side. Oh my God! To let the other one through, and there was a because it was sand. You had to always have a shovel in the back because you might have to shovel yourself out if you were the one who decided to move over. It was like it was like you know you run running into somebody on these roads, and this this was. It was southern redneck as it gets before Disney showed up still. Even I mean Disney was just arriving at the same time I did, I think they were seventy two or three or something was right. their first year. But they were stuck out there in the in the country. There was no there was no uh the golf courses the the golf developments were just starting to be built because it's kinda of tied in with Disney. But it was it it's it's uh I was thinking about it today, what a what a world it was, you know. Well, the ball, to that. the spring training well, was,
1: ballparks were nothing.
2: Oh no! You know, God, now you got boardwalks and all this. Digger Field was just you should. know, it's it's a sad thing that you were never there. It was.
1: Oh, I was there. Oh, were you there? Yeah, the old man took me in '80. I believe it, hey, was. it was. Yeah, it was unbelievable.
2: What 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 do you think? Maybe there would
1: have been no boardwalk six, there.
2: <laughs> there maybe was six rows of what they would have considered box seats. Maybe, maybe five. Maybe and maybe then the out. thing, and then about another eight rows of the grandstand. Grand, of the press box. The grandstand, the grandstand, Tinker could have passed for a town team baseball park Yes, in Minnesota. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And the bleachers, there was, and then they built these ratty old bleachers that went down the left field line, but they never needed them. There was, you know, some games there were 200 people, <laughs> you know, but the clubhouse Judd was, Ah, uh, If we put these two rooms together and it doubled it, that would be the clubhouse for the everyone invited to the major for the league entire camp, r- okay. for the major <laughs> league camp. And they had, as you saw, they had Tinker Field to work out, and then they had that half field next door where they could hit ground balls. But batting practice in in the seventies took hours, you know. The spring training before they started playing games, right. it took hours because you could only hit one one cage, you could only hit one place, and it was you know now we got now they, you know they can get through batting practice in forty five minutes if they want to because they got them hitting at the three different fields and
1: those fields had to be absolutely sunbaked because there's oh, no God, way yeah. that George Tompkin was going picking up rocks oh, in the, the field 70s. Uh,
2: next door was nicknamed Iwo Jima Iwo they always said yeah well, have you seen Kelly today, yeah, he's over at Eo, hitting grounders, and they did grounders, and these guys had been going, ah, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't get your face in front of a ball there, oh. at Eo, yeah, and they were, they were, the other one was baked out too, but they put water on that one, but Eo was just unbelievable, and Melbourne, which they had their minor <laughs> yeah. league team, yep, was unbelievable. It was an old airport uh, area. It was out by the old airport. That's what they stayed in these old barracks that used to, because they, in world war two, the people flew in and out of there. And these had these barracks and that basically where the minor leaguers stayed, but the field were, the fields were rocks, absolutely rocks. And they'd be out there and, uh, and, you know, I went over there to see puck. I remember the first time. And, uh, when he was, uh, they were talking about this kid and, uh, you know, he would have hit nine hundred playing in Melbourne because he could he could drive the ball into
1: the. It was like it Astro was, turf. Right? It was three
2: times harder than the Metrodome.
1: So turf where where one. was that in relation to Orlando?
2: Uh, it was a it was over uh, two hours damn near because oh, the road stunk, mm-hmm. but it was right over by Coco. You know, Cocoa, uh, which is where the Astros? Astros played, okay. and that Coco Beach is where the, you know, I dream of genie, and that's where Melbourne and that was the Space Center over there. They were just building the Space Center okay. there. And, uh, yeah, I went over there, uh, and we used to play. Nobody wanted—the Astros finally moved to Kissimmee, and everybody was happy, but the Twins used to play them eight times a spring because nobody wanted to go over there, and Calvin would go anywhere if they gave him an extra 50 bucks. And, uh, <laughs> and oh, God, I'd drive you nuts driving, <laughs> driving over there. I told you that Mock and— uh, I think Bill Verdon was the man. I can't remember who their manager was. It was Bill Verdon. It was, uh, yeah, probably. But they, you'd get over there, and then Mock and him would play like three extra innings because they wanted some pitchers. They wanted, they were looking for more innings oh, that's for the pitchers. They were looking no, for more innings no. for the pitchers. And, you know, I've told you about the Cocoa Ballpark, it was in the middle of the jungle. Yep. And they used to get, kids from the area to go out there early in the morning in the dew and chase the snakes back into the that might, might be lounging in, in the outfield, chase them back into the jungle. Oh, God. So those, those kids, Florida raised country kids, little different attitude That's towards That's how snakes. you become Florida man. <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
2: Little different attitude towards snakes than we had in Minnesota. <laughs> There's a oh, are snake. you kidding?
1: I see a snake. I'm going the other oh, way immediately. Me, me too.
2: They don't, you know, they, they just, you know.
1: They, I don't care if they can the bite you lungs. or not. I'm scared of them. No,
2: no. Slimy. You know, yeah, I've no nothing interest. to do with it. But, yeah, it got me thinking about how great it was back. And the, and the lunchroom, the cafeteria was as big as this studio.
1: Max, I'm surprised Max it was that big.
2: And the players ate in there. Oh, okay. and they had a crotchy Russ. What was Russ's last name? Russ was the chief, and Russ would have a couple of daddies. And <laughs> Russ was mean; was meaner than a snake. And they loved to play pranks on him. Blyleven and those guys. That, you know, Blyleven was a kid. They loved to play. But I remember one day, just to, if you asked Russ for anything that wasn't just sitting out in front of you, Russ would you know, tell you to go bleep you even if you were Calvin he'd you know, he didn't he didn't care if you were a play the star player or or the owner or anything. It was bleep you Russ and remember once uh Blightham and put a sign up outside right where you walked in and says, Ask Russ for a piece of his famous banana cream. <laughs> banana cream pie. <laughs> and, and they oh. all came in and everybody like hey Russ, I want a piece of that banana cream pie. Said, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> oh God.
2: It was great. It was so quaint. And then of course, the uh equipment guys who were helping, you know for the first couple of weeks before the minor leaguers got right. there went to Melbourne was Hathaway and those guys. Hathaway and what was the other guy? Buck Chamberlain. We're the, <laughs> Buck and they were they were equipment managers, trainers. Yeah. They were one person operations. some gauze. On that. So you would send your you know, you were second year player of a number one draft choice would be in double A Orlando in the Southern League. And Hathaway would be his trainer. <laughs> you know, if they if there was anything seriously wrong, they'd call a doctor. But beyond that, as far as getting you ready for that day's game, you were on your concussion own. protocol did not <laughs> no, exist. No, you didn't hey, go to the quiet room. Yeah, you get your bell ring back then. It was still that was the early in the. Yeah, he got his bell ring. Yep. That's okay. You know. I think they might add some smelling salts by seventy four if the catcher got keeled over. Now, is that somebody.
1: the coaching staff that you talk about that had like two guys or three guys? Well,
2: here in uh, Quillacy's, I as I say, I took over the beat seventy four and Quillacy was well, it had to be seventy five. Quillacy's last season, uh, that uh, the pitching uh, Lee Stang, who was a loyal Twins employee, though, but he. Boston offered him money, actual money, you know, like a eight thousand dollars raise or something to become their pitching coach. I believe it was Boston. So instead of replacing him, they made Buck Rogers, who was the Buck uh, the bullpen coach, pitching coach slash bullpen coach. He became the pitching coach, and then they had Ralph Rowe was the hitting coach and the first base coach, and Ralph was in his sixties, and Vern Morgan was the third base coach and an infield coach, but uh, Vern had had some blood disease, so he couldn't do anything. So, yeah, the only two guys that threw BP, then nobody went on the road to throw. You know, they didn't have any. Right, yeah. Yeah, At home, home they would get some kids, a couple of kids to throw BP. Yep. But on the road, it was Frankie, uh, Rogers, and they'd get Jerry Terrell to throw some too, because he was a utility infielder. <laughs> the estimated number of pitches thrown by Quillsey and Buck Rogers that year was <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> a hundred thousand.
1: Rocco would not have approved of this plan no, at all. He would
2: not have. Rocco would. Uh, oh, Rocco has, uh, you know, would have. Uh, what I love is Rocco. Uh, now is complaining because he might have to go to thirteen pitches. Yes. Did you see that? Yeah, we talked about it. With I'm I'm praying that they make him go to thirteen pitches. But uh, uh, Calvin in sixty five, I guess, maybe six. No, seven, when Tovar was a rookie, so it had to be sixty five because he didn't. He just was there in in April and then September. But they back then, the you could keep twenty eight players. Until May first, the reason being you could keep extra pitchers to get them ready to pitch the season. That year, Calvin started with nine pitchers and nineteen position players, who needed more than nine pitchers for wow. God's sakes. Yeah, so well, yeah, because they didn't take them out. Uh, no, no, they didn't take them out. Well, I showed it this the other day to Steve Stone when he was in the press box because he was talking about the way they used pitchers. The '67 Twins. Who had eight guys pitch all but seventy-three innings? They had two lefties, Jim Olam and Roland, who were up kind of alternately during the year that pitched thirty-five innings apiece. And then they had Dwight Siebler pitch like a th- a, th- a third of an inning, and Mel Nelson pitched like two and a th- two-third uh, two and a third innings. Yep. And everybody else was eight guys. Eight guys pitched the rest of the innings, and they played two extra games that year. They had two ties, sixty-seven, so they played one hundred sixty-four games, and eight pitchers, uh, basically had all but seventy-three innings. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're now going to have a heart attack if uh, if uh, we have to only have thirteen pitchers. Yeah, I just so I don't understand I'm this not thing. saying it was a better way. No, but it was more fun because you could find out. Kathy, what's going on? She'd tell you.
1: (laughs) He said hello to Kathy. I love the fact, though, that Herbie would announce the arrival time for his own so he could be picked up properly at the airport. Yes,
2: he got. So all the time. I think Herbie outlived Kathy and was still on the air. But uh, Yeah, he did. But until then, if you go back every— And you know what? I did not know that until Tommy told me. I said— For some reason, I said— Why does Herbie always tell us what time the plane's coming home? And he says, man, so Kathy can pick him up at the airport. So he'll be getting back around 6.15 this evening. Well, that's like Tommy telling me, you know, that uh, Tommy was the greatest. Because he knew all the secrets, you know. Oh, of course. And and we would all, you know, I was on the beat. We'd spend all spring. The whole spring was who's going to make the club, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, And I've told you this story. And then Sid would breeze in the last week. And two days later, he would announce what the opening day roster was. And it'd piss us all off. You know, we've been, you know, we've been, even Calvin wouldn't tell you, you know. And Calvin was an open book. He'd give you a hint and you'd have, and I'd say, used to drive me. This was 20 years ago, probably. And he says, you guys never figured that out, huh? He got it from Crump, Ray Crump's wife. Sewed the sold the uniforms. She sewed the names on the right. uniforms. So he had to know a week ahead of time who to have his wife sew the names on the uniforms. So that's how he got it from Up And then he then he'd give Crump plugs on the radio. Right. So he would stuff. just get
1: the list from Crump and get the list. Guy. Yeah. Crump. Oh, God.
2: He was smart in his own craft. Oh yeah. his own. Crotchety, crazy ways. Oh, he was... Sid was smarter than hell.
1: Absolutely, Sid was probably. Uh... So Calvin didn't know how how Sid got this. I don't that. think so either.
2: No, they just, they just because Calvin
1: and Sid weren't really pals, were they? No, Calvin
2: wasn't a big fan of Sid's. Okay, you know
1: because when I transcribed for the book, the twin stuff was mm-hmm. uh, not nearly as glowing. Oh as some no, of the other no, stuff.
2: no. His relationship with the uh, with the twins is never even with the CCO thing and doing the pre games and stuff. Never, it it never hurt his feelings as much when they lost. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. You know, the Vikings losing, go for football losing that destroyed him. He he was much more neutral about the Twins and the Nor. And hockey was, you know, he liked the North Stars, but it was hockey, right? So, he didn't get them. Yeah, so he didn't. I mean, it was it was nice if they had a run, and he was buddies with you know Walter Bush and those guys, but it wasn't like in his soul, like uh, football was, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't get them, you know, the NBA was, when I got in the business, the NBA was gone for, what, for, uh, damn near 30 years. Right, so.
1: and Sid had technically not been able to write about the Lakers, because he, is that, uh,
2: legend, yeah, he didn't Sabaldi write about didn't the Lakers, him? because he, White you know, Lakers? Cause he was because he insisted running the team, although yeah. telling Sid's version is that uh, he he made all decisions, and. You know, at the end, Johnny Kundla decided not to refute him. Kundla and Mickelson had both shaked their heads. Yeah. But uh, at the, yeah, but that was, but yeah, the twins were always like, he was always skeptical of him because, well, another thing is Allison couldn't stand him, so Allison treated him badly and he didn't like that. And Harmon was not, Harmon was polite to everybody, but right. Harmon wasn't giving him any hot interviews or information or anything, so. Right. And so it it was not, he didn't have that close relationship with the twins that he, you know, where the Vikings were, like, ah! Well, Max. Max wasn't involved either. You mm-hmm. know, if Max was involved, then then it was very important to sit, because they, they went back a 100 years, so.
1: Anyhow, that was that got
2: me thinking. When you
1: uh, oh the Kathy. old the old sports days. Oh God, yeah. Like Al, you talked to Al last. Yeah, Shaver. I mean, that stuff is so fun. Yeah. Well,
2: Albie was, you know, sitting there, and I I loved him. I was I told you this, I guess, that I'm kicking myself for never getting in the car with Sarno and Shaver and riding to Houghton or someplace with him. Oh, How great would have that been? He could have written uh, two chapters of a book just going up there.
1: Those broadcasts, and, and, Pat. Oh.
2: Yeah, with uh, Al kind of being objective and Glenn, Glenn cheering mightily. And, and ripping and the Al,
1: officials at every And turn.
2: Al really
1: never had
2: to work with a second guy. I mean, Cannon would show up, right? Yeah,
1: on home games. Well, he worked right? with Ted Robinson for a couple of years home on game, home games, but home he games. worked alone. Yeah, on the road. Yeah, he worked. I, I don't road. think he ever had a partner on radio road mm-hmm. games. So and Holt then at Austin. the end,
2: Norm gave him straight, Ralph,
1: right? He gave him Ralphie, He gave him Ralphie. And then, and then at the very end, the last year or two, he gave him some TV games because he, he was so identified with the team. Oh, really? Did he they tried some to,
2: TV? I can't yeah, remember Yeah. In fact,
1: that. the last game the North Stars played in Detroit was Al and Wally. They paired them up on TV. If you look at his bio, it says he uh, did uh, wild games the first year, which
2: is not true. What? He might have He might have appeared. On when he bio? Was yeah, it says... No, uh, he okay. never... No, it didn't. I, no. Said, I said, Al, you didn't do it. And he said, no, I never did any of their games. He might have...
1: He came into town the it, well, for the first time. Well, they named the press box yeah. after
2: him, and he might have
1: hung around. And- Bob Kurtz told me that uh-huh. at one point in time, Al was joining him on like p- part of the broadcast for the Wild in the first year, and Kurtz he told him, if you'd like to do... You know, if you want to jump in and do play, play-by-play, he said, I'm done Oh, uh, well, he'd it. get him between periods or yeah. something but like that. Yeah, but Al said, I'm not doing yeah. play-by-play anymore.
2: Yeah, he yeah, was good. I mean, I... I had him on a speakerphone, and he heard me clearly, and Good. his mind was sharp. So, But I, I was surprised he was 96. I thought he was maybe 91 or 2. Yep. so. and he he actually got he out. He was a veteran announcer when he got hired here. Mm-hmm. One story he told me, which I didn't get in because of space reasons, mm-hmm. his dad said to him when he took the Minnesota job, his dad said, couldn't get a job in Canada? You couldn't get a job with an NHL team in Canada? And he said, "Dad, there's two teams in Canada, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto and Montreal, yeah. and they've had the same announcer. And they aren't moving as Foster they, Hewitt and they, they, in they aren't, moving, they aren't moving aside legendary announcements to make room for me. So uh, no, if I want to do the NHL, I got to go somewhere. And Minnesota is as close to Canada as I can get. But it was his dad, as a true blue Canadian, was." Funny. Very upset. Oh, why don't you do one of the Canadian teams? And he said, you know, we forget that. There were two. Oh, God, yeah. There were two. Yeah. And 16th. in fact, before that, Vancouver was the only team the NHL added, right? The others came out of the WC,
1: w, Winnipeg, H-A. Quebec. And uh, Winnipeg, Quebec, Calgary, yeah, and, Edmonton, time, Calgary and Edmonton. And Vancouver wasn't, I don't think, joined the league until 1970. Because yeah. Al, Al came here in '67 when they expanded by six teams,
2: so Calgary
1: was Atlanta, lost. Al. Lost their team and no. then got Atlanta back. Or, no, you know, they when they Calgary when they didn't have a team.
2: Weren't they in the WCA? WCHA? I don't think they were. Really? Oh, and Atlanta,
1: okay. Atlanta then had a short run there. Yeah, didn't work. And, and like six years in or something, moved yeah. to Calgary. And then they tried them again. Yeah, Quebec was in. Quebec was absorbed, and so were. The old Winnipeg Jets and the the, the our
2: second Flames where do they go? Second
1: Atlanta where do they go? I can't remember. Uh, they're, they're the Jets now. The so jets. the Thrashers okay. became yeah, the jet, are the new uh, Jets. The old Jets are the Phoenix or Arizona. It Coyotes. is
2: amazing that as well as hockey's done in the South. they, they went zero for two in Atlanta, right? Yep. Especially the second well, time. Well, and
1: the Coyotes are about to play in the Arizona State Building next season, which is going to have seat like six thousand. Because they're of their feud with, Glendale? yeah, yeah, I think they got, I think they were booted from Glendale. Glendale's well, mad at them because, but what? they weren't paying their rent, right? They well, paying. supposedly that that was up for debate, but so they got booted from there. They're going to play in a small building, and they're trying to get land now to build a bigger building. But I don't know what's going to happen. No, they should. There's be. something weird there. I don't know why why they they didn't move about five years ago. Yeah.
2: Kansas City or someplace,
1: you know. Go back before the— Phoenix is a better market, but—
2: uh, Yeah, but yeah. it hasn't worked. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I wonder if they ever got as good as uh, Florida. By the way, Florida's, uh their, Florida will probably be back to 6,000 next year if they uh, get swept by these guys with this club. This is very remindful. Uh-huh. Of that great Tampa team that got swept yeah. in the first round, right? Except they're getting swept by a better team in the second round, and I don't, Tampa.
1: I don't know that our old friend Bruno is going to survive this thing. No, they'll blame him probably. Because he said, I, I mean, he came out and said on Sunday, basically, they want it more, which is a big problem in hockey. Yeah. You know, they're getting the pucks, they're doing this, they're doing that, and we're just not.
2: I wouldn't agree with that. I would think that it's just you got to, you guys, that team is now crusty. Yeah, Tampa Bay well, they is, is now crusty. Yes. You know they they, they got, lost to they Columbus. Got, they got Corey Perry, do they?
1: Yeah. Uh, where, when did they get him? Uh he Halfway bounced from... through the year No, what? no, no. He signed uh, I believe he he was a free agent after last year. So he he's been to the Stanley Cup final now. Dallas. Um they lost. Montreal, they lost. Uh-huh. And if t- if Tampa goes back third mm-hmm. consecutive year. Yeah. Well, they uh you know, they They got bigger. They're
2: they're just they changed their whole approach yeah. from being this high, one of the yeah. most high-powered NHL teams in history to they're now mean. Mm-hmm. So, but mean yeah. is what you need in the playoffs. And, uh, but the coach, of, is the coach of that great team, offensive team, still their coach? John Cooper? He's still yeah, there, right? Still there. He's he's had a pretty good run. He's been... He's a really good run. They never fired him and when they were...
1: One-time coach of the Green Bay Gamblers of the USHL. Right. All right. Well, anyhow...
2: So, uh, uh, that's, anyway, that's that's our thing. Uh, as far as the uh, twinks on the field, that was a nice win yesterday. That was a nice comeback, yeah. And I cannot, this was one of the days where I'm not upset about Buxton and Correa and those guys not playing because Sunday, it's the week TK and then Guardy taught us the Sunday lineup. Well, and Craig did pinch hit. So they yeah, got Craig, him off. Yeah. They put him they on his him, feet. They put him on his feet to pinch hit, which was uh which was amazing. Straight him up and put him on his feet. Apparently he doesn't need the warm up that Buck needs like 8 9 hours to get ready to play. But <laughs> but as I I said on Twitter, the only guy missing is Jeff Rebele. Where's I Reb? Saw, man? Yeah. Where's Reb? Yep. Reb. Mike Redmond catching? Yes, Mike Redmond. Reb would play. Shorter second. Reb would play thirty five games a year and twenty six of them were on Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a Sunday shortstop mm-hmm. or someplace in the infield. Great guy, by the way. Uh but yeah, it's uh we, we, we are used to around here the uh, the uh, idea of uh, Sunday lineup so but that Sunday lineup looked pretty pathetic for seven innings. And that singer, singer was singer. real good. He just rolled yeah. through them. They're I wasn't Ooh. watching all of it because I was watching a lot of golf. I didn't see the rally because I gave up on him and was watching golf. So then I looked at my phone. It bit.
1: was a boom, boom, boom but thing. What happened? And Dick got excited. And I thought, Dick, calm down. You're getting too excited. And then sure enough, they yeah. just kept doing. Yeah. The, the bullpen blew up. was a yeah. bullpen absolutely and they blew got, up. Uh, they brought in different guys.
2: They, got some,
1: they got some... Uh, 98 mile an hour guys. In Do you that know what, Dol- though? You know where you're right going back now, two years, three years? Arise at first base and just playing, okay? Yeah. But when when you said w- when they were swept by the Astros, your point was they are not athletic at all. Like yes. they just come to dead halts, you know? Mm-hmm. So no ends things. Yes. Um, They now have the ability with what they're doing to continue to move the lineup. Yes. Yeah, I'm not saying they're great yeah, and, yeah, but athletically, they they but it's better in, than that one. They was. don't run into the, uh,
2: the automatic out. strikeout. Yep. Yeah. Which I think just ends things. And, all right, it's first base. I don't care. You know, I keep, you know, I read, you know, Sue Ann's column about how Morneau can tell you you've got to be an athlete to play first base. Yes, you do. I, I mean, it's it's nice to have a great first baseman, right? Yes. A really good. Yes. But you don't need one. You know, it's the fat guy's position. And Miguel Cabrera, when he couldn't well, play third, they moved him. I mean, that's where you put guys who can't move, right? And Arise is fine, though. And Rise is fine. He's that's,
1: he's fine. And, and
2: he you know, he's you look at him and you get this idea he's short, but he's about six foot almost six foot. He's he's taller than you think. I think it's because he's stocky.
1: Yeah, he is he's stocky a stocky. And guy. He, and it's and the way he hits and uh, But he's just, bad at third base. I would far prefer him at first base.
2: Yeah, well, well especially, base, with, it's especially with the other guy playing third. Yep. Urschel is, yeah, he's fine. But I, I mean, like
1: the fact that they now have some guys that can that can actually play the game and don't just stand
2: there. Yeah, well, the infield is, yeah, I mean, Urschel is not a speed demon or anything, and neither is a rise, but they're athletic, they're athletic. Yeah, they and, uh, you know, any outfield when either Buxton or Celestino is in center field is fine. And, uh, you know, Kepler's good in right field mm-hmm. where he belongs. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and you know left field is and Larnick's okay and uh, whoever else is playing there is okay, but Agreed. there's this thought that uh, if uh, uh, when they add if they end up adding Kirloff, that they might you can't Celestino's got to be in your club even if he's not a hit or not because yep. you need need him to play center field three days a week having having. The tradition used to be center field, shortstop, second base, catcher, where your defensive positions, right? Well, short with the shifts and stuff, center field is way more important than shortstop is now, and, and mm-hmm. second base. But next year, if they get rid of the shifts, then you're gonna have to have an athlete at shortstop again who can make the play in the hole, and you don't see the play in the hole anymore because the guy's standing in the hole, right? right. You know how many backhand throw to first do you see? Not very many, but you are going to have to see them next year because you are only going to have two guys over there. So, and if it's a right-handed hitter, uh, they'll shift them to some degree, but you can't you can't give up the middle of the field. So the do,
1: do we think the rule is going to be that you have to be on the right side of the correct side of your base and you can't be on the grass? Is that where we're we going? We don't know the, the, the grass thing is going to be I don't very care about the. I don't care about that. No, if the second baseman, I, care about, I mean, being on the correct side of the, the second base.
2: baseman were playing 30 feet out on the grass when Ted Williams was playing. Absolutely. They just didn't leave shortstop open. Yep. You know, so, uh, and they had shifts. I, I don't mind that, but I, you know, I've if you get to see shortstop make plays again, that'd be good. So, yep. And by the way, prima facie evidence that Royce Lewis shouldn't be moving around, right? I saw your tweets. And <laughs> yesterday, he's got six hits yesterday. yesterday sent down yesterday, shortstop. He was three for five. Yep. Three for three the first game. He's six for eight playing shortstop. He's zero for eight playing the other places. Mm-hmm. So he can't hit when he plays other places. He's got to be a shortstop, else he can't hit. It's the evidence. But so that's it. The evidence well, put is, him back
1: at shortstop. The evidence is right there. But what they're doing still now makes no sense. What? Have him. No, well, moving him around. Yeah. The only thing that I would go along with is what you said, which is if he's going down to play short because you're convinced he needs we, to play short. We want him to get But better. this whole thing of shifting him around oh, man, he's going to learn how to play left field. And, uh, Jim wrote. Uh, today that he's played
2: that he played spectacular shortstop. He played okay shortstop, and he's not. He managed to make most of the plays, even though some of them look like very shaky. He's he's not a smooth shortstop yet. He's a great athlete, but he's not a smooth shortstop. He needs to me. He needs all the work at shortstop he, he can get because uh, he's going to be your shortstop next year. Sure. So. Anyway. But you know what? But they, you know, I'd just as soon have Ursula playing third as him. I'm not I'm not
1: dead set on him. Here's my question to you. Why is Jose Miranda still here? Don't know. It's, it's, Don't know. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I do. He got a hit the other day. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think, 7 for 60 yeah. with 13 strikeouts. Well, he won't swing. No, I know. He won't swing the bat. But why is he here? He thinks he's Joe Mauer. I keep Strike hearing one. who right else is right going right. to play first base if Ar- Arise, Ooh. anybody. Louis Arise, Ursula. Yeah, anybody. Miranda's no
2: good at first. No. He's a third baseman. No. no. That's, that's the or best DH. plan I've heard. They should, they should have Lewis play first base. Okay. Yeah. Let's take one of our two best athletes and put him at the position where it doesn't make any difference if you're an athlete or not.
1: And you know what? Louis Arise is fine. That's what I was going to say. And here's the thing. And
2: saying- Every day. And if you're going to catch Jeffers, instead of wasting the D.H. on uh, Sanchez, let Sanchez play first base. They're going to get caught, by the way, not having another catcher. Gardy's going to be at home ripping his hair yeah, out. Yeah, right. Gardy's on. How can they do that? I can't play Joe Maurer today because Mike Redmond's playing and he's my only other catcher. What do you think? You can't the, do that. that.
1: That was one of the most fun, paranoid things oh, ever. Oh, yeah.
2: And then it's the third catcher, when he had to have yes. the third catcher. You know,
1: and it so. would be some guy that couldn't do anything right. Yeah.
2: Well, the tradition of Tom Kelly was you had to make sure your backup catcher couldn't hit. <laughs> you know, Tom Nieto or something. Yep. It had to be somebody who couldn't hit. Yep. And it took him a long time to get on the Harper bandwagon. Oh God! Yeah, because he was too good a hitter. Yep. <laughs> he can't be a catcher. He's yep. too good a hitter. Damn it!
1: And so, they had all those veterans. Uh, Prince came through here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nieto Blanco. Yeah, Henry, they like picked up every guy that came on the waiver. Well, they layer. picked up Henry Blanco,
2: and then Maurer got hurt opening night and played thirty-five games that year. Blanco played the rest of them yep. basically.
1: And we never worried about getting him off. <laughs> oh, is that when Sal Buterra came back? When when Joe got hurt, and then Blanco Sal was Yeah, nope. Sal. Sal. No, Sal came back in 87.
2: Oh, that's right. What am I thinking of? Jeez.
1: Sal was well, here who came the, back, at Met Stadium. Who came to, uh, back up Henry in
2: 03, uh, Joe's first year? I wonder who. who I, with, I, can I can't find remember. it. I don't can't remember. remember who their other catcher was that year because Henry was, Henry was here to catch. That 20. period's all kind of a blur to me. Henry was on. here to catch 25 games and then. Uh, and then you got Joe. 2003, Gutt. right? Yeah. 2000. I was just going to Joe got hurt opening day. Played 35 games. I think. Yeah,
1: he tore the meniscus. Yeah, first day. It was slipped on the uh, wonderful metronome uh, turf there. Oh, yeah, the warning track. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, All right. So I'm looking at 2003 stats. Three stats. Catchers, Tom Prince, Okay, that's games. when they brought Prince Rob, in. Rob Bowen. Yeah, um, Przinski, Wait, no, no, no. This had to be O four that Joe came up, right? Oh yeah, oh okay, yeah. What am I thinking of? Oh yeah, oh Joe, Joe. was O four. Yeah,
2: Przinsky was traded after O
1: three. Because yeah, that off. was the famous. I'm off by a year. All yeah. right, uh, Blanco, <laughs> Blanco, a hundred and fourteen games. Not concerned about him being no. on his feet. And and who Mauer <laughs> ended up in thirty five games before he or so he missed a uh, Pat Borders. Oh! It was Pat Borders who hit. played for yeah. Toronto.
2: We thought he could get some hits, but he, he was... Pat Borders, as a catcher, was a pretty good hitter. Yep. But he, he, he was, was another guy that changed positions, and they made him a catcher. He was a World Series winner, though, right? He was, he yeah. Was he was pretty good
1: on those teams. So he had to be... 286 a, up here.
2: He had to be a crusty old veteran by then, right?
1: 41. 41? 41. 41 years <laughs> old.
2: Wow. God, did they have some, I would have teams. never guessed that he was on that team. Never guessed on that team. So we probably
1: didn't uh, get much golf out of you yesterday. I watched Watching. the I watched the end and the the, the meltdown was incredible. De- Declan was glued to it. Declan, yes, sir. What a collection
0: I know. of mutts! <laughs> yeah,
2: God, they it's played out Way to look at it. Zalataris wanted to shoot seventy eight yesterday, mm-hmm. where he hit the ball, but he got a few breaks. Yep. I mean, when you hit it under the bush where there are animals. Yep. You shouldn't end up making bogey. They should by automatically, you know, you shouldn't be able to go drop it someplace yeah. 50 yeah. yards from where you're uh, where you're, um, you know, went in the first place. God, they played terrible. Yeah. All of them. And then as bad swings in major golf go, the one the leader hit on 18 was unbelievable. Oh, it was terrible. He stumbled. He, why was he trying to hit at 350? Why no didn't idea. he hit it 270 I think down his heart the middle? was
1: pounding out of his shirt.
2: Yeah, well, he was completely psycho. He was just taken and he ran up there. When he got to the tee box, he ran up there and put it in play before he, you know, vacated his bowels or some damn thing. He was so terrified. God, it was unbelievable.
0: Well, even the, uh, the chip to get on the green was terrible was
2: horrible
0: yeah i've i've i have flushed better ones than that yeah he's he gotta make
2: this one oh he was he was completely gone he now the play before he damn near made that uh the hole before he almost made that putt that yeah uh, i mean that was the only good shot he hit in about the last three four round holes but god what a collection and then jt's jt wanted to kill himself Yep. After missing the putt on eighteen, he looked oh, like yeah. his whole family yes. had died, and then he ends up in the playoff. He said, "What the hell? Talk about a gift!" I was on. You know what I noticed? Another thing. What's that? And JT's another example. Every time one of these really good golfers, mm-hmm. fiance shows up. Yep. She's always a pretty good-looking girl. You think? You think? You
1: think that's just by coincidence? What do you think? Oh, I think it's just, yeah, happenstance. You know what it is? I don't want to get true love. No physical attraction <laughs> no, no, at all. It's no, no. true love.
2: She had the personality that uh, convinced me, damn it. Uh, and this was another young, attractive lady. And, uh, you know, they, but a lot of these golfers, too, they don't get married till
1: they're 28, Do You know what I 30, feel that we don't see in golf? From, 30, 32. From that t- type of thing. I don't feel like we see even mom and dad aren't really big. I feel no, like golf, the, I feel, yeah, right.
2: You don't get the chunky. They're all sort they of don't fit. get the
1: chunky. Parents. Yeah, like dad. Like dad parents. doesn't waddle out there. No. You know. I feel like the parents are ordinarily in yeah. good shape and look to be extremely rich. It's
2: interesting how lumpy got lumpy because Carson was a you know just a yeah a great player, normal sized fella, wonderful guy. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. They, uh, they, uh, but they're uh, you know they're always yeah, they're, TV is more. TV is, TV golf is kind of the last of the places where you got the perverted cameraman always showing you shots of the good looking girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, Football and baseball, it used to be that way, but oh, then God, I yeah. think I think they got shut down, right? Yep. From from doing that.
1: One uh, day, football used to be a series of that. <laughs> yes, right. With with I think uh, thank yous paid after the telecast. <laughs> yes, yeah. We we kind of but golf still,
2: you know, it's it's a leisurely day and right. Although usually not in, not on every hole, you know, like they. No, but there's used a lot be. of time to show stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you're looking for right. things. That is, and uh, I was glad Justin Thomas won because none of the other guys deserved to. You know, he's the only so guy. What that, happened? He's the only guy that played good on Sunday. So what?
1: What happened to the top players? Thank God. Where to,
2: were they? Salatars had never won. Oh, oh, this no, no, no. Raman, in this tournament, where were the top Raman players? And those guys?
1: Yeah, the guys we talked about last week. Uh,
2: it they have really tricked up that golf course. It's yep. uh, it's uh, they got some funky stuff going on that wasn't there before, and some of the greens look extremely small to me. It's an the old PGA is ordinarily
1: not that tricked up. No, right? they, but they, yeah, the they openness. have gotten there
2: in the last few years. They're Interesting. They're, they're playing them tough again, huh. and uh you know the the secret is, uh, rough. That's if you got you know if you grow the rough and you make them hit a if you and the other thing that they're all doing now to these golf courses is giving them runoffs so you look at these greens okay and you say well he's going to hit the green but you got to hit about a yep a 3 yard area of the green otherwise it's going to run here run there yep. run there the the secret of success to protect the golf courses is not a lot of you can't get that Wednesday rain. You can't get that four inch rain on Wednesday that uh, that softens up the greens and keeps them soft. Because if you can get the greens hard, then you can protect himself. Because they, they are they are they are trying to hit the puck, hit the ball to such small areas. The other thing is, what was that? Uh, what was the par five, Declan? Six forty. Yes, six forty. Yeah, six forty. And one uh, of the par? One of the par fours was 540. Yeah. 540. So they're, they're just, it used to be you couldn't have a par four over 500 yards. Right. But now they're saying, the hell with you guys. If you're going to hit it yep. 380, we're going to. Do players complain about this or do that they. Not really, because they know if they complain how they're going to come off as yeah. whiners. Yeah. But they used to. Every U.S. Open, they complain about something. But. Uh, oh, yeah. But that's where I'm used to it.
0: Well, the open with the U S open too. It's always about narrow fairways and fescue. I remember. Yeah. yeah, Big,
2: or, or, you know, but I thought that was supposed to be the tough tournament. The reason Tiger Woods can once, maybe once again, compete at Augusta, if he gets healthier is, and he's 45, so he probably can't, but they have no rough. Mm -hmm. So there's not, you know, they're, you can miss a fairway, and you can, you know, the trees aren't that far away, but you can, yeah. when you miss a fairway at the U.S. Open or the PGA, you're getting yep. it out of the garbage. Now, St. Andrews would be a good spot for him too, because if the wind doesn't blow, the winner will be 20 under. If the wind blows, the winner will be 4 under. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's all, those golf courses are all based on whether the- Tire going to play
1: in both tournaments now? I don't think you'll play in the U.S. Open.
2: What do you think, uh, Declan? Uh, I don't think he's going to play in the Open. What do we got? What's, Where's what's, the
0: Oakland Open? The I, U.S. Open this year. I keep her forgetting. Oh, it's, well, the U.S. Open's in oh, August. Boss,
2: it's at... Uh, no, it's in July, right? Uh, this at,
0: year, it's... At, uh, uh, Oh, no, the U.S. Open's August is in... Oh, I'm looking at tennis. <laughs> yeah. Wrong one. It's in June, uh, U.S. Open it's in, is... It's in June, June. It's always in June. Father's yeah. Day. Oh, it's
2: in Boston. That's where it at is. A, it's uh, at bro, the yeah. country. It's pretty, pretty quick mass. is the point. He yeah. might play there because it's uh, not a long golf course or a group. Well, he golf he was struggling course. by the end of this one, man. They're only going to let... I think twenty thousand people on because I I cover the u uh, the Ryder Cup at the Country Club in ninety nine <laughs> or nineties ninety 99, 99 right? was <laughs> the when LeBron. we ran on the coral. Oh, yeah, yep, all hell broke on, loose yeah that was brutal the big comeback uh and uh but the it's an old 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 golf one of the original golf courses if not the original sure but the tees and the greens are right next to each other so there's
1: okay no room for
2: people. Mm-hmm. And they let an ungodly number of people on for the Ryder Cup, but they're not going to— The Ryder
1: Cup thing is one of the—it was chaos. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, I remember watching it. It was complete chaos at the end. Uh, Generally, you could go out to the Ryder Cup, and on
2: Sunday, you could see something because there'd be 12 matches going on. The rest of the time, it's just terrible because— you know, you only got four matches going on at maximum at one time.
0: Yeah, and like you don't, get all those. Like people. here, you
1: couldn't see anything. In no, trunks. no,
2: you no, couldn't. Yeah, and people didn't care if they see anything or not.
0: I will say, Pat, uh, this weekend was the perfect example because all I heard going into this weekend or going into the PGA Championship was, "All right, he's he's finally gotten his game back. He's had a nice couple finishes here. Is Spieth is going to take it? Oh, and yeah. then Jordan Spieth was exactly who Jordan Spieth <laughs> is, man." It all comes down to his putting and he was, he, he never was in contention all day. I'm actually surprised. Rory did fall off as hard as he did he after the great opening round. He yeah. can't putt either. Yeah. He can't That's
2: the reason he can putt some days, but he's not a, uh, you know, who told me this years ago? Corzo.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Corzo said he'll never win the masters cause he can't putt. And it's a putting contest. And he's right. He can't, he's not a, he'll make a putt once in a while, but he's not a putter, Rory. And, uh, you gotta, you know, you win at Masters. You gotta, you gotta make putts for four days. You can't just make them for a day. So, same thing here. He's he still hits the ball as good as he oh, ever yeah. did. He just yep. can't. Uh, he just doesn't doesn't. He's sitting in the middle of fairway, uh, hundred and sixty yards away, and he makes four way too often. <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of three. So he's. Uh, but yeah I guess everybody thought that this might that he might be playing at his best but uh Speith though I watched him for a while the other day has he ever missed a putt where he didn't bitch
0: yeah oh well he's bitching off the tee. Yeah. that's the best part yeah Jordan you've got to be better when he's just shaking one to the right he doesn't he's, swear right no he doesn't but he'll yeah. talk he talks he it should in swear. the third person you know whatever he swear yeah. every
2: putter he goes, ah! yeah it's, he's like He's like Tom Watson only way earlier in his career. Tom Watson made every putt. Tom Watson was the greatest putter in golf history <laughs> until because he could always try to make every putt. Yep. Because if he had a four or five footer coming back, it was automatic. <laughs> and then he started missing some of those five footers coming back. Right. And then he got twitchy and now he needs a damn... You know, a (laughs) thing with a a golf club with a head on it the size of a broom to try to make a putt. Once he stopped making the five footers coming back, then he had to let the ball waddle down towards the hole like everybody else (laughs) and didn't didn't make a. a, You know, the secret of being great, and that's why Tiger was a great putter, because he never was worried about being five feet past the hole. He made those, you know, he made those. People forget that. You know, we always talked about his massive distance and his determination and all that. So that guy was a puttin' SOB. That's, yeah. you know. I mean,
0: God, he had, he had some absurd putts. Yes. Uh, that I mean, you know, that you missed by yeah. by a cup, but just the way he still putts at 44 is absurd.
2: Yeah. You know what I've noticed about him? And in this case, I'm not going to deny it that, that, that he was hurting. But when Tiger had all his ailments, he kinda of became like Gogo Gomez getting thrown out at second base. The agony the agony increased was high. As he was sure. as he was making bogeys. And but yeah, I mean I don't blame him for not playing Sunday. He would have been he would have shot eighty five probably. So the way the golf course was set up on Sunday he might have shot eighty five. Think- but he didn't he didn't belong here. He should have he should have, you know, he was not ready to play that golf course.
1: I wonder if he's getting a little bit, if he gets something for playing, especially from the network. Because just his yeah, just his presence. I don't, think, presence, he, I don't say, think he has to, but his sponsors are
2: certainly happy to have
1: well, him. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, there's got to be a financial payoff. And then if he pulls out now, he's 45. Isn't he
2: doing the big Rolex commercial? Didn't I see him? With yes, the, I, the I believe. Oh, yeah, see? Poor Rolex. Probably. The only... The only watches you can sell anymore are collector's items, right? Yeah. I'm one of the, I don't have one on today. I don't wear it as much as I used to. dawn you not know, one. Most Women of, wear them now. Most of the world doesn't wear them anymore. I don't need a watch. I've got a phone. I always, I wore one forever. But you know what? When I was a kid, younger, in my 20s, and and I didn't start to wear a watch probably until I was in my early 30s. For 10 years, I knew what time it was
0: because I
2: was, you know, I would wake up in the morning and wouldn't have to look. I'd know it would go at eh, 720 and I'd be within five minutes. Really? I, you know, for some reason, but wow! then I got a watch and now I'm like, you know, what time is I, right. I, I don't know what, you know,
1: but. You know, so you basically gave away this great gift you had of yes, being able yeah, to because got a watch. Because you got a watch. Yes, yes. But those watches, man, used to be like the big watch. Mm-hmm. I never – I went – The old man went, had a big I, watch. I always tried for the small ones. I never went – Hit them on doors yeah. and stuff. Otherwise, the big ones, I, I went for Plus, you know what? Watch. Never present an opportunity to get robbed. Well, that's a new thing today.
2: Hey, here, 70s, you could be walking down the street. I'm straight. driving with the top down, down Plymouth today, no problem, yep, waving, yep, to my, yep. waving to my friends, so yep. it was fine. It was nice. I, I trust my fellow man. I'm just saying, in I the trust 70s, my you can get robbed, too. Oh, yeah, Downtowns
1: weren't great in the 70s. Yeah, but, you know,
2: well, it, they, it was they funny. Weren't, uh, they weren't. What were we watching? What, oh, we were watching the first episode of the Apatow's, uh documentary on uh carlin. george carlin so I I got, last night i gotta watch watch that. the first two
1: hours was the Apatos
2: stuff's great and uh it, it brought us back to the um uh, i mean the riots we're having now yep are nothing compared to i mean there, there's you know there's some bad stuff going on and burning and stuff but uh that was some hell being raised. And oh God, Vietnam the, man, in the, the late sixties. Yeah, well, first Watts? the civil rights movements, and then the uh, yeah, and then the we, civil rights movement followed by the Vietnam War was uh, that was a that was a raucous period. Boy, we I didn't watch the I didn't watch his the second it's the first one's two hours, so the whole thing must be four hours. Huh? The Shanley one's the same thing, really long and really good. Well, Chandling, I love, but. Carlin had really gotten unfunny, really gotten really? terribly unfunny. I gotta watch this at the end of the, the kind of he was the uh, and and then he had his comeback. But all he was like doing he was, he was he... doing all these word you know plays, peas yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Like and and, 70s then, and or Saturday when? night uh, was it SEC TV that did the devastating. Uh, it parodies of him that really hurt him to the truck. Oh, they, <laughs> SCTV did? Oh, God. Oh, I they loved just, SCTV. Just lit him up about... Have you ever watched uh, it? Oh, God, I loved SCTV. Yeah, the... Uh, what, was the what was the John... What was the John fl- Candy... What uh, was the flirty character? Count, the
1: count, the count, well, the Count, but then there was the... Uh, guy Caballero, the, the, guy, guy the owner guy, of SCTV guy, who was in a wheelchair. Guy
2: Caballero was one of the great characters of all time. Oh, SCTV was better than Saturday Night Live. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was
1: far just, more consistent. Yeah, it was. It originally came out of Canada, right? Yes. It always come out of Canada. Toronto. Well, well, Second City was in, like, Chicago and stuff, but I think that that show itself came from Toronto. Mm. And Candy was up there. And Candy had the house of pancakes, the 3D. <laughs> How about some pancakes? And, and then you'd extend them towards the camera to make it look like 3D. Oh, God. Yeah. The guy, uh, Flaherty's were. Uh, that, and, Eugene Levy was great. Yeah, Catherine yeah. O'Hara. Yeah,
2: it was the you know, it, it was an amazing that he ended up making all the Christopher Guest movies too. With them,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. I forgot they they made fun of Carlin though. I didn't. I don't think oh, I even knew.
2: just like who was. Who I must was, have
1: missed that at the time. And who not, was
2: good Joe? No, it wasn't Piscopo. It was one of the famous ones. I can't remember. Just Lightning did a devastating impersonation of a what it There's a there's all these vegetables called peas <laughs> and stuff like this and. It was, you know, I never was a huge fan of his. Mm-hmm. He's fairly funny, but uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I was. He, he had to come back, and he was pretty good with his comeback. But uh, it, it, it he, he certainly fit the times, you know, when he started. But he, boy, he was really bad in the late.
1: Well, and I didn't know that from. So at the start, though, he he was like on Comedy Hours, and he was pretty. It looked clean cut. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Which he is hits, before my yeah, time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even know his
2: big uh, his big break was the John Davidson. Oh God! Vanilla, the most vanilla show in the variety back when we the had all these, hours. Everybody who had two hit songs and was uh, a Paul Williams cl- Friday had, that, had <laughs> the clean cut white image. Yep. Could get himself a variety show and he was on the he was the most ill-fitting guest
1: on the John Davidson show you and there of. was more coke done on those shows oh, than God, you could yeah. shake a stick at
2: yeah his wife who's uh gorgeous now later in life and at least when she's being interviewed for this was a hopeless alcoholic she became and and she's admitting it and to the point that they she weighed 85 pounds and they put her in the hospital oh, and thought she was gonna die so. yeah she was that that daughter of his, uh she grew up with some The old man doing huge amounts of coke, and uh, the wife being drunk all the time was uh, was uh, interesting. But it's yeah, appetite stuff is uh, is yeah. A, his he thing. he has such thing, an appreciate. I got to watch it. I
1: love it's Chandler. off. The, it's really long. It's off the charts. Good. Uh, Larry Sanders might be my favorite ever TV. The show incredible movie. thing is how tortured every one of these yes. guys. They are
2: miserable human yeah. beings. Chandling was... Shandling was miserable. Chandling they always say was playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> not, 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 oh Larry Sanders. Uh, Larry Sanders great... is already ripped Dorn. ripped Riptorn was my favorite is uh <laughs> <laughs> the the assistant, the gay assistant. Right? The, the we went from the the woman assistant to the gay assistant. I yeah,
1: I vaguely remember. And, it's been a while and, since
2: then. And uh and then they had the uh the the the, the homophobic guy that kept insulting him and was going to sue him because the guy, the gay guy was going to sue the Larry's show for, for sexual harassment and Artie and they, they put him in a room to try to, you know, to solve their problems and they go in there and Artie opens the door and they're kissing, you know, they're like having this romantic kiss and, and, uh, Rip closes. Rip, Artie closes the door and says, I think they said a lot of court." <laughs> <laughs> was, he was Artie. That was, was one, one of the great. Artie Kansas. was the greatest. What he do, used to tell you about... His romance with Angie Dickinson and stuff like that, all these made
1: believe <laughs> and the guests who agreed to come on and play oh, yeah. the roles, oh yeah, and then Larry, could you always think like when when they they go to break that yeah. the host is saying something nice but like you effing, you're full of them
2: <laughs> oh yeah they they would yeah be willing to make uh you know great fun of each other it's like oh. it's like that six part. Uh, series that uh, Ricky Gervais did uh, on the Extras. Extras, <laughs> when they'd get, you know, they'd get Patrick Stewart came on as a complete, you know, almost pedophile sexual maniac. Kate Winslet comes on and she's smoking and dressed up like a nun and she's smoking and scratching her crotch and <laughs> doing swearing everything to get to get them to uh, come on. and it, It's amazing what good sense of humor they have. You know, a lot of them. Yes. But, uh, Anyway, what uh, sportsy uh, thing do we have? Twins is about it, huh? Yeah, twin, twins. It and really golf. was
1: a dull week. It twins. Well, I, I mean, there's some there's some great hockey, but it's not from the wild, so we don't care as much. And no, the basketball uh, games are actually the playoff games. Are, the
2: basketball games are interesting because they're all twenty. The yeah. series are okay, but they're all twenty-five blowout. Oh, and Wiggy, Wiggy's playing. Wiggy's along. a monster. Let's stop giving Gerson Executive of the Year awards. Considering he left us with D'Lo and gave up a high draft choice, Wiggy's incredible when the pressure is not squarely on Wiggy. And I think you know, you know what PJ would say: they have a good culture. Yep, yeah, you would. We don't. <laughs> yeah, at least not when he was there. Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, they got. I don't think you know Jimmy Butler's leadership way was to tell you what a complete wussy you were right right pansy you were and uh you know right you're soft and abuse you yep i think curry and even damon will damon will say hey you know do this come on join the party Yeah, have some fun here and yeah and yeah uh, and that's a you know he's a he's you know he's the nice thing is he can have they can have a Four. He can be the best player in a court one game out of five, and that's fine,
1: right? Uh-huh.
2: He hmm exactly. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, he doesn't matter. Yeah, He doesn't if, have, yeah. To, yeah,
1: it, he does have to carry. In him fact, there. you
2: go to one of their games, and you, you and Wiggy goes twelve and four and uh-huh. three, and you say, yeah, okay. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Here was a big deal. You know who's really helped that team is that Jordan Poole giving them a third guard to yes. go with. Uh, I mean, that guy's... They've where, done a very nice job of retooling
1: guy. that roster. Yeah, yeah they're
2: probably going to win it, although the uh, the Celtics... All the are,
1: Heat would know. be great they'll fun, though, huh? Yeah, they'll win it. Butler against Wiggy in the NBA Finals.
0: Oh, it would be Wouldn't great.
1: Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it
2: would be. It would be. But I think Miami... I still think Boston's going to win the series. I,
1: I think they're better... You know, Boston's right turnaround from what was the book. Oh, oh, 20 day? games
2: in you had to get rid of the coach and, yeah, then, and Brad it Stevens. was impossible to play brown and yeah, smart. Uh, and uh, Tatum brown Tatum. and Tatum together yeah and it was impossible cuz they played the same position yeah. if i was a columnist in boston like my friend o'shaughnessy i'm sure he's had some columns that he had to eat from back then cuz he did quite a bit of celtic stuff in his day so yeah it is an amazing turnaround with him yep European coach that we never, none of us ever he was heard a
1: Nets of. assistant last season, yeah. I think. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah.
2: It was quite a hire by uh, 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 Brad Stevens mm-hmm. to uh, replace him, that's for sure. All right, All sir. All righty. We'll talk to you next yeah. week. If you have questions about your retirement savings, do what I did and work with a person that knows what the heck is going on. Uh, work with Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. My guy, Josh, will give you straight talk and not sugarcoated advice. Learn how you can benefit from Josh's focused approach by setting up your own no-cost, no-obligation 48-minute consultation to review your investments. Call Josh now, 952-925-5608.